So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, dogs and cats, whatever creature may be listening to this, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, and uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in, for listening, uh, for for bettering your business and turning your life. Um, look, the entire purpose of this podcast is to help you to grow, to help you grow your business, to help you become more aware of the possibilities that are right at your fingertips. And so I'm just really ecstatic that you guys are here. I'm feeling a little, uh, I'm feeling a little zany today. So this, this conversation with Andrea might get weird. I kind of hope it does. Uh, I hope it's, <laughs> I hope it's entertaining and, but, but more importantly, helpful. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. You guys, I've actually really wanted to talk about, uh, this, this topic of conversation for a long time, because uh, we're going to talk about this this concept of like what happens when somebody else uses your image without permission. If it hasn't happened yet, it will. And I bet one of you is listening that has been the offender. <laughs> You've actually used someone's photograph without permission. I think actually yeah, most of us probably have gone on like Google image search, right click, save image, uploaded it into a PowerPoint presentation, dropped it onto a, a yeah, who knows what. Um, maybe we've used uh, music. Either way, I just want to have this conversation. I want, I want us to become equipped and prepared. And so we've brought on Andrea Sager to do just that. She is a serial entrepreneur that left uh, a big law firm after realizing that her true passion wasn't helping all the big businesses but was in assisting small business owners. So when she was in law school, she started her first business. It was a, a woman's uh, clothing boutique. Um, and then after she sh uh, sold her store, she began her career uh, as a lawyer, realizing that she wanted to assist fellow small business owners. And so little, a little fun fact for Andrea she's 37 weeks pregnant and sick right now, but she's like, hurrah, we're doing this interview. And so, and so Andrea, God bless you. Thank you. I listen, I may be a little under the weather, but I am so ready for this. All right. As am I, I got my peppermint tea in hand. I've, I, I swear I'm just becoming an old, an old person. This is a step up, Andrea. Normally I'm just drinking hot water over here. What, what's your beverage of choice? 
So I'm a, I'm a big green tea drinker. I, I've never been able to drink coffee. I know it sounds weird. I'm an attorney. Attorneys just shoot up an IV with coffee, it seems like. But I've <laughs> never been able to drink coffee. But green tea is definitely my go-to. I love it. Yeah, I've been. Uh, my wife's been trying to get me off this whole coffee thing. She thinks I'm a bit of a spaz and I need to chill out. And so I'm on a I'm on a hot water uh, peppermint tea strict regimen. Andrea, why are you the way that you are? Because <laughs> I'm just diving right in. Because I think of when I think of law, <laughs> when I think of law and and just the entire legal system, it just in me, I just start sweating. Like I just immediately start sweating. It kind of stresses me out. How how did how did you become this way? Listen, I used to sweat too, getting up and going to work every single day at you know, this big law firm. I thought it was my dream job. And, you know, maybe when I got the job, it was my dream job. But I started and I was just like, gosh, this is not the place for me. And I think it was partly my fault because I had already dabbled in entrepreneurship and I'd already experienced that freedom of being able to work for yourself, be self-sufficient and being an entrepreneur and then going to work for someone else. It's tough. It is very tough. And I had a small business at the clothing boutique and I loved it, but it wasn't serving me. It really, I was too, too involved doing too much. I wasn't able to have enough family time. So that's why I sold that. And I went to work for the firm and it it was great experience, but I knew it just was not for me after having the business of my own and, you know, being a mentee with other small business owners in different membership groups, it I loved the passion and I loved the individuality of each entrepreneur. So experiencing that and then going to, you know, corporate America where you're serving, you know, billion dollar businesses, it's a completely different ballgame. And it was not for me. The the one turning point that I had You know, I was a first year attorney in this big law firm. First year attorneys typically don't bring in business, but I had a lot of connections, you know, with other business owners. And finally, I had a lot of people contact me for work. And I was like, you know, you know, we can do this, we can do this for you, but, you know, the rates are very expensive. And, you know, I just don't know if you want to spend that. And finally, somebody's like, you know what? I don't care. I need to get this done. I'll spend the money. So I'm like, great, here I am, a first year attorney bringing in this business. And, you know, at a big firm like that, you have to go through all these different steps to even bring in a client. Well, once we were all pretty much signing the papers to actually make them an official client, I had one of the senior partners come to me and basically just berated me for bringing in this so called, you know, low quality client. They, you know, they were a multi six figure, almost a million dollar business, and they just didn't care. They weren't a billion, you know, multi million dollar business or a billion dollar business. So they didn't care. They didn't care that they were going to still pay the rates, still, you know, do everything necessary to be a client just because they weren't a certain size business. And from that moment forward, I was just like, yeah, this is not the place for me. And I think I ended up leaving. It, it may have been two months later, if that, because I was just, I, I knew I had the network of small business owners and I knew like, this is who I want to serve. I'd rather 
work with people than just some other business who doesn't give a crap who I am. So that's yeah. kind of where I ended up where I am. And this is like, uh, you know, the small business owner, especially, I, I think, especially creatives, um, you know, this whole intellectual property conversation is a, it's a scary topic. And it's mostly because we just don't understand it. It's like what I said, I start sweating. It's like you mentioned this stuff and I'm like, <laughs> ah, I think I'd rather just edit some pictures. Um, and so, but, but, but many, you know, entrepreneurs, any, many photographers, they fail to protect themselves up front and you've seen it bite them in the butt down the road. Can I ask you a kind of a follow-up question too? Like, do you really find yourself working with a lot of creatives? I mean, I think photographers specifically, there's probably just a lot of cases surrounding this energy, uh, this, uh, this industry, uh, kind of around this whole intellectual property conversation. Is that what kind of brought you into working with photographers is just kind of the need, uh, to educate this community? Yes, absolutely. That's pretty much. So whenever I had my first business, the clothing boutique, I'd always heard the saying like, you know, serve your audience. Don't, you know, find what your audience needs and fill that need. Well, I never really understood that until I started my own practice. Because at that point, that's when I finally saw the need for an in a intellectual property attorney, but not somebody that was so big that it was intimidating. Cause I mean, I was intimidated as well. Um, dealing with, you know, all these big attorneys and dealing with intellectual property issues, but I knew that there was a very big gap in the industry for small business owners and creatives, especially creatives, because, whether you realize it or not, your entire business is thriving on intellectual property. And most people don't realize that. And it's very scary to think about because a lot of people, when they think about intellectual property, they think, oh, Apple and Samsung, they're, you know, they have this billion dollar lawsuit. They're fighting over this patent or this, you know, trademark or copyright, whatever it may be. It's just so scary because they only see it on a very big level. And it's so critical for small business owners to really understand how it applies to them. So it's just, it, it's really, it's, I, I enjoy myself being able to teach creatives and small business owners how to really, I guess, dumb it down, but really understand that it's, it doesn't have to be a scary topic. I understand it can be a very scary topic, especially when you don't know what's going on and you don't understand the laws, but I do what I can every day to really try to explain it and make it not a scary topic. Yep. Love it. Uh, well, it's still scary. So, you know, we got to work harder. <laughs> um, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I, I, I want to jump right into this because I, I imagine that there is a, a photographers who are listening that have had, they've had this occur where someone sends them, sends them a screen cap on Instagram or on a website or something where their work is being used. Or just recently in one of my um, networking groups, there was a photographer who's one of his images ended up on Jimmy Fallon. It was the Jimmy yeah. Fallon show and one of his Whoa. images got used on it. 
And he had given no permission to do this, right? And so he's actually asking questions inside my group, being like, what what do I do? What action do I take? And I'm sweating over here with no answers. <laughs> <laughs> so so um so let's I mean, there's so many, I guess there's so many uh, degrees to this, right? It's like, what if somebody uses my image on Instagram without me uh, letting them? For example, a vendor, right? I think in the wedding photography industry, we we probably see this very commonly. It's not a blatant steal or a blatant trying to represent the, the work as yourself, but it's like some vendor use an image of mine to advertise their product. And maybe that's not a bad thing, right? Like typically I'm like, eh, no bad, but maybe it's a vendor where like, I don't really like you. I don't really want you using that. Or that's not like, I, maybe they've, they've edited the image or they've done something else to it. Do you know what I mean? Where it's now suddenly turned into an offense. Um, what, uh, what, what do we do in that situation before we go all the way up to like, OMG, Jimmy Fallon, uh, just use my image. Right. Yeah. So in that situation, there's a few things you can do. And it's honestly, it's up to you what you want to do. And you really have to take into consideration what are your damages? So what, like, how much are you really damaged by that? You you don't like that person. So maybe you do want to actually have your attorney send them a cease and desist letter and say, and, and even ask for a settlement. Because for my clients personally, I tell them it especially if it's just a small very small business they don't really know what they're doing I say you know absolutely I can send a cease and desist letter you know pay me a few hundred dollars and I'll send it but I really tell my clients you really want to assess okay how much could I actually recover from this person if they were to even pay me a settlement and is it worth it so when I tell them that, I say, if you don't want me to send a letter, you can, one, either reach out to them yourself and say, you know, hey, I don't know if you know this, but my photo is covered by federal copyright. You know, whether it's registered or not, your photo is protected the moment it is published. It does not have to even have a registration. So, you know, I tell my clients, it's a lot of times it's best to educate, especially if they are a small business, a very small business that doesn't, that probably doesn't know what they're doing. So they, they can do that. They don't always do that because sometimes it's a bigger client who doesn't have the time and maybe it's a repeat infringer. So in that case, if it comes, so if my client my clients know, okay, the first thing I need to do is really determine, do I want to reach out to them myself? So then if my client reaches out themselves and they're either ignored or they're a repeat infringer, or if it's a bigger company, then they come to me, they, you know, they send the information to me and then I address it. And I either address it with a DMCA takedown notice, which is the, the digital millennium copyright act. And that's a report. Pretty sure I've gotten that, a couple of those from YouTube before. <laughs> and that's a report <laughs> that you can send basically through any online platform to when you see your content on another platform that's, you know, it's unauthorized use of your copyright. You submit this takedown. The platform has to remove it. So it's removed typically within one to two days. And so it's removed. It's removed, but and that the infringer does receive your information. Well, 
in my case, they receive my information and I get all the hate mail. So that's a lot of times why my clients want me to send the DMCA because yeah, they I was get ask, a- Can you can like an, can anyone send a DMCA? Yeah, anyone can send one. You don't have to have your attorney s- send it. You can do that yourself. That's a big DIY right there that can save you a lot of money. Um, yeah. But beware that you will get hate mail uh, or hate email. And um, you also have to be aware that they can submit what's called a counter notice. So a counter notice is basically the infringer submitting back and saying, you know, this person, you know, whatever they lied or they were mistaken about the report. And then after that, the platform has to allow them to repost the content unless you provide notice that you have sued them in federal court within, I think it's like 10 or 14 business days. So they can. And this is why I'm sweating, by the way, because yeah. all of this, I'm still, I'm just still sweating. Like, I'm just still like, ah, this all sounds messy. And, but, right. it, but it can but, be. Yeah. Yeah. So then, where, because so the initial, I kind of gave two extremes, right? Where it's just like someone casually using it to, to, um, to advertise their product within your industry, right? Like it's a florist grabs one of your images that the bride ended up giving her harmlessly. Do you know what I mean? It's like that type of thing. Yeah. Um, All the way to Jimmy Fallon. But like what happens (laughs) when there's, because I feel like this is very different. Maybe it's not. Maybe this isn't a different thing. But what happens when like another photographer is using your work and claiming it's their own. Does that make sense? Because that yeah. is it the same thing legally? Because to me, it feels like an entirely different universe of smarm and and evil. So legally, it is the exact same offense. Son of a gun! It shouldn't be. There should they should get whipped. So it should not is, be the same thing. There is a little workaround if. And this is where it can get really messy. So if you do have your works, if you're all your photographs, if they are registered, you know, you submit them, you have your registration, or even if you've just submitted them, and then you find the infringer, then you may be eligible for what's called statutory damages. And this only comes into play when you would actually sue someone. So not very often. But if you're eligible for statutory damages, sometimes it can be a big bargaining chip when, you know, it comes to settlement negotiations because when you're eligible for statutory damages, basically damages will be awarded by the court. If you, I mean, if you go all the way to trial, um, they'll be awarded anywhere from $750 all the way up to $30,000. But if the other person can prove that they were an innocent infringer, which most likely maybe the vendor might be, then damages, the court may lower damages to $200. Sure. Okay, so, cool. So, yes. so the innocent vendor, and I'm using innocent in air quotes because I know there's varying degrees. I think, I right. think most, I believe the best in, in most vendors that like, Hey, they're, you know, they don't realize it, whatever. Uh, judge that however you'd like but the but the photographer who's blatantly taking the work and representing it as around like not so innocent now you you said something you said if you've submitted your images for registration what is that so you want to have your copyright registration whenever possible i understand a lot of 
people and photographers don't even take the time or steps to do that. But it can be very helpful, especially when you encounter infringers. Because I I send cease and desist letters without a registration. However, sometimes, especially if they, um, if so you just like call my bluff, kind of a thing. Well, because you are you're protected the moment the photo is published, whether you have a registration or not. But you cannot sue someone unless you have filed for registration. Gotcha. So I I, I recognize that you, you want to keep talking about this and I got to keep asking more specific details <laughs> and maybe it's one of those things where like the student should just shut up until the instructors finish talking because the question's probably going to get answered. Um, but I'm going to ask anyways, cause I've got the mic. Um, so, <laughs> so no, go for it. when you're submitting for copyright registration, are you having to, to copyright every picture individually or is this something that you can do as like uh as a group can you can you batch submit copyright registration like yes. what is this process like are you just copywriting your brand are you copywriting individual photographs so photographers are lucky because they can batch register their photographs and it's like not, lightroom yes not all industries not all creatives not all copyright holders can do that because there are certain requirements that you have to meet in order to to do the batch filing. So <laughs> you really – photographers are lucky in that they can do this batch submission. And basically the requirement is that it has to be from one session. So you know, if you have a wedding, however many photos you have there, you can register that one wedding. And you don't have to pay for an individual – you know, individual, um, registration because an individual registration is $55. Um, the batch registration, I, I don't even know that off the top of my head. That's bad, but it's like a hundred. Paul Parkett. Yeah. Throw it's it like a hundred dollars. Cool. Yeah. So it's now I who's mean, judging whether or not it's from one session or not. So the copyright office is basically the requirement you have to show that they that there's some relation to the photos. So I mean maybe they'll look at oh it's a different bride and groom. I'm not going to register these and uh, <laughs> I guess timestamp like I don't know how how much they're looking at the metadata but you know timestamp would be a thing. Yeah, yeah. So um basically I tell my clients, you know, if it's a if it's from the same session, that's te- that's definitely eligible for batch registration. Um, and, and you're lucky there because I actually have, I work with a lot of designers, um, t-shirt designers and that, and they yeah, have it's a messy I mean, business right yeah, there. Thousands and thousands My buddy's of in it. He's like, his stuff is constantly getting falsely taken down. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's hard stuff right there, but photographers, they have a little easier. So, um, yeah, you're lucky there. All right, podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick pause here in order to give a thank you to the supporters of the SFP podcast, because if you're listening, it likely means that you have a small business or you know someone who does. And if this is you, you are wearing far too many hats. And some of these hats are amazing, right? Like being a photographer, but some like filing taxes, running payroll, not so great. This is where Gusto comes in. This is the solution, you guys. Gusto, G-U-S-T. 
T.O. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small businesses. I used to be on like an old school payroll processor from like 1982, and it was terrible. Gusto now has fast, simple payroll processing. Uh, This is the really cool thing. They automatically pay and file your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Um, They make like like W-2s, sending out 1099s, uh, incredibly easy to run. You guys, those old school clunky payroll providers, the one that I was on that I just left, uh, they just weren't built for the way that the small modern business uh, is meant to work, but Gusto is. You guys, no joke. I got really excited because I switched to Gusto before they contacted me uh, to come on as an advertiser. I'm like, this just makes sense. I actually use this thing. Um, The really cool thing, too, is everything is online, like the ability to sign, store, and organize all the employee documents. It's all online. It's all in one place. You guys, let Gusto wear one of your many hats. Uh, It gets better because for you podcast listeners, you get the first three months free when you run your first payroll. Try this demo out for yourself at gusto.com forward slash photo. That's gusto.com, G-U-S-T-O forward slash photo. Look, we're going to stay on theme here and keep talking about giving you guys solutions for all the things that are terrible to do. Um, So you guys remember when you started your small business, right? Like it was no small fee. Uh, You're spending uh, late nights, early mornings, the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, uh, ever since then, you've been insanely busy, right? And so one of the biggest challenges uh, is invoicing and it's accounting, Right. Let's make things a little bit easier in 2019. Our friends at FreshBooks have a solution. FreshBooks, this is invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for you as small business owners. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds. And then the best part is uh, get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. Uh, I love that part. File expenses even quicker. Uh, Keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part is this. As your business continues to grow, which it will in 2019, let's be honest, you're going to always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to like figure out or learn all this accounting shenanigans, right? So you guys... 24 million people are using FreshBooks. Try it out for 30 days free. There's no credit card required. There's no catch. Uh, Go to freshbooks.com forward slash photography, freshbooks.com forward slash photography, and then enter six-figure photography in the section where it asks, how did you hear about FreshBooks, right? Make sure you get that part down. When it asks, how did you hear about FreshBooks, enter six-figure photography, you're going to get your first 30 days free. I'm excited for you guys to check out FreshBooks. All right, let's get back to the show. So follow-up question, because this is a this is something that has happened to me. Now, prior before, I was just kind of like uh, airing all my uh, – what am I trying to say? I was going to say airing all my dirty laundry out to the world. I don't think that's the proper uh, phrase I'm looking for. Before, I was out there just trying to like give everything away to photographers, right? Like to teach them how to do things. Because now I like I put my website on blast. I'm like, yo, go like, you know, uh, get inspired from my website. But, but, even, but even that still, it's like – Use common sense and don't like create an exact duplicate. Anyhow, uh, locally within my own local market, there was a photographer 
who they didn't steal my work, but they exact they they built a website that was the exact duplicate of my website. Oh wow! <laughs> and including including some copies, so there was some verbiage, right? So exact duplicate of my website with with some verbiage, um, but their own imagery and and like logo. It, what is that? Is that just is that just being a d bag, uh, or is there something you can do? So it depends. So I mean, typical lawyer answer. Sorry about that, but. Basically, By the way, was, I like your site, Winkface. That was my yeah. I, an email that just let them know I like it. Yeah, right. So whenever you have a website, all of that is protected by copyright as well. All your content is separately protected, the layout, but you have to be careful because if you have, you know, a, a separate web designer, they own the copyright to the layout and the design there. But they could also transfer that to you to where you would have that have the rights to that copyright. Um, and then all the photos, if you have videos, all that is protected by copyright as well. So it's all protected because it's all content. It's all creative work. Yeah. Now, I don't think any of us – and look, I could be wrong. Maybe there's some real jerks listening right now. But I don't think very <laughs> – sorry. I don't think very many photographers are listening to this thinking uh, in this direction that I'm about to take the conversation. But I am curious what you have to say on it. What happens when a client, someone who's hired us to do the work, right? What happens when they take that work and they re-edit it? Right. I see, I just see, I bring this up. I see a lot of complaints on the Instas and the Facebooks of photographers complaining that, a, that a, someone who has hired them for their service has re-edited their work and posted it up on Instagram, on their personal Instagram page or something like that. Right. So again, yeah. client who has hired you, they now have the, the work, they've done a re-edit, they've posted it up. Um, is, is that an infringement on, on, Copyright. I mean, is what? What is that? Possibly. So, it de- first of all, it depends on what type of license you have provided to your client. So, if you're a wedding photographer, you probably did not give them a commercial license for the photo. I would agree. Now, that, that's true most of the time. Yes. So, if it's you know, if it's a wedding client and they put their own little filter or edit it somehow on their own, it might be copyright infringement, but it might not. So sounds very vague. I know, I know. (laughs) So one thing you have to be aware of is copyright infringement. There is a fair use little workaround where if it's not used for commercial purposes, then it's not copyright infringement because mm-hmm. there's no damages because in order to have copyright infringement and to have damages, it has to be something that's in commerce. So it has to be something that's being sold. And if it's a wedding client and they're, you know, re-editing this photo just for their personal use, then there's no copyright infringement. Yep. Um, so you just mentioned this briefly, but let's kind of talk about this. You know what? And I, I feel like I've I've photographed or I've been hired by couples who maybe they are attorneys more often than not. Parents are attorneys. They and they send back a contract, right? Like we send them the contract, oh, then they send it back, and it's all scribbled all over, right? And one of the areas 
that we most often see scribbled all over is in regards to um, copyright uh, uh, kind of stuff. And I could, I could pull up my contract to see what it exactly says. I don't have it in front of me, but what, you know, what, what are, what's typical in order to like kind of surrender? I guess I've had this question before I'm sitting in a meeting with the client. They're like, so who has the copyright to the images? Can I tell you my answer? And then you tell me how wrong I am. Can we Go do that? Can we play it. that yeah. game, Andrea? Okay. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's set the scene. I'm meeting with the client. They haven't booked me. It's a consultation. Everyone's feeling good. They're loving my work and they're about to hire me in walks pops. Oh, and God. he says, this is all well and good. <laughs> so I'm really laying this out. He says, this is all well and good, but who owns the copyright to the images? Now, this is what I say. <laughs> you tell me how wrong I am. Great question, sir. Uh, nice hat, by the way. Uh, so I say, <laughs> I say that. So technically, as as the person who's actually created the image, who's taken the picture, I own the copyright to the images. However, I grant usage to you guys to use them however you see fit. Print them as much as you want, as big as you want, wherever. Post them, you know that kind of thing. Uh, to the point of as long as you're not profiting off of it. So so no kind of like selling the work to a magazine or something like that. Um, but if you do decide to do that anyways, give me a cut. That's pretty much verbatim what I would say. Um, so how wrong am I? So you're right. I mean, so that you can, I mean, pretty much you can say whatever you want, but no, that was a great explanation of, you know, I retain the copyright, but I basically, you know, grant you the license to use it however you want personally. Now I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, if you sell this to a magazine, give me a cut. <laughs> I would have said I'm being cheeky, but I, I do say that actually, but I should probably stop. huh? Well, I mean, it, I mean, essentially it would be the same thing, but I just, in my head, I feel like that gives them the power to go out and try to sell it. And yeah. you don't want them to ha- feel like they have that power, but you do want them to know, like, you know, if, an, if somebody approaches you about these photos, you know, let me know. And, um, maybe even you would give them a small cut, but you want to be in charge of selling your photos. Sure. Yeah, I like that. That's good. And that's that's a I like that answer. Thank you for for helping me out with that. Yeah, no, I, know, I mean is, you have a great explanation. Life. And I see that all I see that question <laughs> all the time in Facebook groups. And it's basically the, the and it's always the parents too. You're so right. Because they they just want to make sure that they have the right to do what they want with the photos but they need to understand that they don't have the right to do what they want commercially. So for business purposes. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. So, yeah, so, uh, so one more question, I'm just trying to get really specific here. Uh, I'm trying to use this time to the best of my ability as free legal counsel. And so yeah. let me ask you another very personal question. Wait, so, can I, can I add had, something real quick? Uh, yeah. So, Uh, One thing that I also see come up in different Facebook groups is, you know, they're very adamant on being assigned the copyright. So, you know, they don't want you to retain any copyright, you know, any copyright to it. They want the whole copyright. So when that happens, chart, I mean, if they're dead set on it, charge a premium, you know, explain that you have to charge a premium, whether it be, you know, $500 per photo or whatever it may be don't be afraid to charge the premium and then just make sure that you can explain I'm charging this because I no longer have any rights to my photo. I won't be able to sell this to a magazine. I won't be able to sell, you know, 
you know, grant Jimmy Fallon a license to use this. So as long as they're understanding the reasoning, but, but behind why you cannot give them the copyright or sell them the copyright, because maybe you do have somebody that's willing to pay a thousand dollars for a few images to retain the copyright. Hey, I'll be happy taking uh, a couple thousand bucks for one or two photos. So, so question on this, because I think this relates to what we've had asked a number of times and I bet a number of photographers listening have had asked is sure, you know, this all looks well and good, but I don't want you to post up any of the, the photographs online on Instagram or use them on your website. Right. So it's almost like they're restricting our usage of them. Is that, is that getting into like some sort of NDA where you're signing off on, on not disclosing any photographs or information of the client, or is that resigning your, uh, copyright to the images by saying, yes, you would do that. So I think that goes more into using their likeness. So using their, you know, their face and, um, you know, using themselves in your photo, a lot of, you know, celebrities, they don't want you to use their likeness in this or that, which is understandable, but they need to realize that your contract, uh, your contract should include the fact that they are granting the, you know, the, the wedding party is granting you the right to use their license, their likeness. Sorry, I hope I didn't just jumble all that up. But no, you're great. Yeah, I'm tracking. Yeah, so they, you know, they may say, "I don't want you to use my likeness." Well, just kindly explain to them, you know, this contract basically um, it gives me the right to use your photos or your likeness that are in my photos for my portfolio, which includes my website, my Instagram, my Facebook, wh- wherever you're posting your photos because they are my photos. And if if they are very adamant on you not posting them anywhere online, then you know, bargain for that, charge a premium for it. If they and want What exactly would you be be charging would you be would, would you be charging for like a, an an NDA? So a non-disclosure not, agreement? would you be charging like what is it that you're actually doing or is it just like a it's just an extra clause in the contract. Just an agreement, an extra clause. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and it's 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 just the fact that so you have your contract, you have your rates, and you have basically determined your rates based on the fact that you you retain the copyright, you can use their likeness and you post the photos on your website wherever you want because they are your photos and by hiring you they allow you to use their likeness. Now, if they don't want you to use their likeness, then you say, okay, no big deal. The, you know, the, then I have to completely write this contract and charge extra. Yeah. And we do, we, so we charge a thousand dollars more, uh, if they would like us to do that. And we just position it as an entirely different, cause we actually position it as an NDA that like everything is going to be, um, uploaded on a completely different server. That's going to be a private server, completely different gallery hosting, fully password protected. Uh, we do, um, no, yeah, no images go anywhere else on online, on social. We can't use them in our portfolio, uh, in print, anything like that. Anyhow, and we, we literally have people who are like, yes, I want that. And they mm. pay us for it. 
well, there you go. But I don't know if it's the proper. Uh, that's what's curious if, if that's the actual right um, kind of a thing to call it. Because we we were requested that, and this all came about because we shot a celebrity's wedding, and they requested that we sign an NDA and not release anything. Post okay. Anything. Hey, that makes sense then. Yeah. Cool. So then, what's the difference between trademark and copyright? Like, like trademarking your brand versus copywriting your pictures. Do you need a trademark in order to copyright? Is our brand actually like, like, look, I think a lot of photographers are probably in this category where like my wife and I, we used to be Ben and less photography. Is it really needed to trademark Ben and less photography um, when you have such a personal brand? So I see this issue so much with photographers because a lot of photographers do brand with their personal name. And yes, you do need to trademark. And I'm starting to see a lot more photographers go the trademark route. So a lot of, especially if you have a common name, you're about to find out that you're infringing on somebody else's trademark because it doesn't matter that it's your legal given name. Once it's trademarked, you cannot use that name commercially. You cannot make money off of your name if it is trademarked by someone else. Which may sound, it may you may think, oh, well, that's not fair. It's my legal name. It can be your legal name, but it's not, you're not protected commercially. You cannot use your name to make money with photography. And th- that's where it kind of gets confusing because trademarks are assigned based on different classes of goods and services. So if you have somebody, you, you know, who's Andrea Sager photography, but then there's also someone, Andrea Sager Law. <laughs> um, those those two brands will not be infringing on someone else's on each other's trademark because they're t- two completely different services, and that's fine there. So, but if there's another photographer who has the same name, even if it's a different spelling, that could be trademark infringement. Now, whoever was in business first they most likely have the priority to the name and it's up to them of whether they want to enforce that trademark. You know, if they don't have a registration, then they may have common law rights. And I I don't want to get into too many details about the common law rights because they can get really confusing, but common law rights occur when you don't have a federal registered trademark. So you still have rights but basically it's regional rights. So if you're in Hawaii and you do Hawaii photography only, and then there's somebody in New York and they do photography in New York only, then without a federal registration, then that's most likely not infringing on either either person's common law trademark. Doozy. It's a doozy. So then is it actually, <laughs> I mean, what goes into actually trademarking your business. I, I think there's a lot of photographers who haven't even created like an LLC or actually like uh, uh, registered themselves as a business, let alone trademark. Or or am I getting that confused? Is the process of registering, uh, you know, your business in your state also trademarking it? No, I get that question a lot, actually. And it's completely different. Whether you have an official business structure or not, that has nothing to do with the trademark, whether it's registered or common law. So, and, you know, cause you could have, you know, okay, so I'm Andrea Sager Law PLLC. I can have my brand trademarked Andrea Sager Law, and I can also have 
a million other things trademarked under my brand. As long as it is, you know, the same, um, it's just branding under that business structure. My business structure, Andrea Sager Law, PLLC, they own all of the trademarks and copyrights underneath it. So for a photographer who may, you know, they do photography and then they also teach. If they have a course, you know, they'll want to trademark what they're conducting their you know, their photography name. So they want to trademark that. And then if you have a course, you want to protect that name as well. And all all that can be protected with a trademark. Man, I love it. This is a lot. It's a lot, but it's good. (laughs) Yeah. So the point of trademark, uh, the point of trademarks is to eliminate confusion among consumers. So if you have somebody who has uh, you know, the same name as you, or even a similar name, but maybe it's a different spelling, that's still trademark infringement and that can still cause confusion. And I've, I, I mean, I've seen it myself. My wedding photographer, she, you know, her spelling was a little different, but, and there was somebody out in Colorado, but she still had, so I, I was in Kentucky at the time. So she was in Kentucky. And the other photographer with the same name, but different spelling, they were out in Colorado. And she said that she would have people contact her all the time thinking that it was her. So somebody there is infringing on the other's brand name. And that's what you want to avoid is the consumer confusion, you know, going to the other business thinking that it, you know, you're someone else. Last question before I let you rest up and... (laughs) (laughs) Like what, this is just like a really just straight up question. It may be very state to state, but like, what's the general cost for registering your trademark? So it, it'll vary by attorney. It, it actually doesn't matter by state. You, you can have a state trademark, but that really does not provide you much protection because the federal registration will trump the state registration any day of the week. But so for me, I charge upfront for one class, um, one class of goods or services. It's $1,650. It's a flat fee. It covers the trademark, the official trademark search to make sure that it'll basically give you a level of risk that you're facing going into the trademark application process. Cause there's a lot that can come up and it, it covers me being the, your attorney for the duration of the process. And there, like I said, there's a lot that can come up. So office actions, that's when the trademark office issues a refusal. Now there's basically two categories. There's a a technical refusal and then there's a substantive refusal. Technical refusals, they just need a little bit more information. No big deal. Those are covered in my fees. Substantive refusals, those cost extra and they can be a doozy. They, they can really put a damper on your day, but once you run the search, then you'll have a better idea of whether you will receive a substantive refusal or not. And since I've been working with small businesses, I've, you know, I, I realize how important trademarks are. And I also realize that maybe not every business has 1650 up front. And maybe 
they qualify for more than one class or they need to file more than one trademark. Either way, I offer payment plans because I know how critically important it is to have a trademark. Uh, Andrea, the sweat is beginning to fade a little (laughs) bit here. I feel like I've got a little bit more understanding, uh, a little more comprehension on this topic that, that I could actually, uh, you know, get some stuff in place, uh, to protect myself. Andrea, so tell me more about where people can can find you online, can can take a look at your blog, do do some research, and and even use you. Because earlier you said this, you like very casually, you're like, well, what you're gonna want to do is contact your attorney. Like as if like we all just had like some attorney uh, you know, just around the corner. Um, but but where could people actually find you, contact you and and potentially continue a conversation? Yeah, so I'm I'm at andreasager.com. You can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Andrea Sager Law. And my the easiest way to get a hold of me is just shoot me an email, Andrea at andreasager.com. And I am always open to helping everybody out. I do what I can to really work with people. I try to do um I have a private Facebook group. Um, don't ask me the link to that. It, you can find it on my Facebook we'll get, or Instagram. We'll get, in the show we'll, get, we'll, we'll get the link in the show notes. Yeah. How about <laughs> there you go. Um, and I, I try to go live in there every every couple of weeks to really answer questions that people may have. General law questions. I don't. I, I can't go into specifics if it's like, hey, this person did this. What can I do? Blah blah blah. But I do answer as many questions as possible because I realize how important education is on this issue. And like I said, I really. I'm just out there trying to educate as many people as possible about intellectual property. I love it. Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your endurance, uh, handling my questions as they've been flying at you. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to actually to kind of take control of this stuff a little bit more in my business instead of just like crossing my fingers and hoping no one uses my stuff, uh, being ready for it. So thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Podcast listeners. I hope this was insightful. I hope this gave you a nugget. And I pro- I just, I know it did. I know this is stuff that like, we're just not dialed into. Um, please take control uh, of, of protecting your business. Please do that. Listeners, uh, on the next episode, we've got somebody really good. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> That's such a general statement to make. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm leaving this in. Uh, here's, the, here's what I want you to do. Leslie, uh, Leslie's my wife and she also edits the podcast. Leslie, make sure you leave this portion in. Um, podcast listeners, if you uh, have uh, are wanting to take your business to the next level, maybe you, you're just starting out or you're starting to feel a little stale. Maybe your clients, uh, they're not like pouring in like they used to. I want to encourage you to check out an amazing resource that I've put together. It is a seven-day crash course. Each day I tackle a different topic and I got to tell you, it's really good. I just like poured my whole heart into this thing. Uh, you can check it out for free. There's no obligation. It's a Rate it for you guys. Give value uh, at sixfigurephotography.com forward slash start. That's where you can get it. You guys, thank you again uh, for being with me and we will see you on the next episode of the SFB podcast. Bye now.